take this kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow, you are not wrong, who deem, that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away, in a night or in a day, in a vision or in none, is it therefore the less gone? All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Greetings, Poe fans. We are back, the Potastic Two, Carmen Bolden and Jeannie Smith for Surrealism. Is it real? Is it surreal? Is this really real? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's not Freud it up yet, Jeannie. <laughs> well, you know, it's going to be Freudian all the way, so. Very, very, very true. Very, very true. It would have been interesting for Poe and Freud to have met. Yes, and sometimes I think maybe Freud was um, a kind of a reincarnation of Poe and the psychological aspect of things, because he kept delving into some of the things where you're going, really, really, dude, yeah. come on, what yeah. in the world? Ab- absolutely. So to kind of like start us off with uh, our second, I guess, venture into surrealism. Mm-hmm. We are going to have Jeannie talk about some background knowledge and history that goes, that kind of leads into surrealism because there was the surreal something before the surrealism. Yeah, I mean, the whole aspect of the psychological, it came and it saw and it conquered long before it ever got a name. You know, because if you think about it, exactly, before it got a label, which is many things. They come to be before they're actually labeled of anything. Yes. And this one where it started out with the movement of Dadaism. Yes. I just love saying that. Dadaism. Yeah, Dadaism, which it talked about the same things, only it was more of anarchy. Interesting. It was more on going above and beyond and past the, the, the common the commonality of everybody you know having okay. the normal the normal pictures that you were normally seeing in the art world yeah. with the with the gallants of the victorian age with everybody in their nice little outfits right and, but then when you had in dadaism it was all about the anarchy the okay. all about the juxtaposition of things how it's so unrealistic type okay. of things okay yeah and if you ever want to really put it to it if you go back to <laughs> Picasso, sorry. <laughs> if you go back to the Picasso age of Cubism, you got Picasso who created the um, the social type of Cubist right. movement. Yes, where he was putting the I never can remember what uh, what the massacre was, but it was one of the Spanish where yes. they yes, yeah, I know they what killed you're the whole about. village, and yes. he recreated it in the Cubist yes. painting. Mm-hmm. And so in itself, the cubism was one of its own movements, but at the same time, the psychological aspect of where Picasso was bringing forth the um, the atrocities of war and of uh, anger and that type of movement that was going on in the world, everything was kind of at an unrest. And then you go into the early 1900s where you have World War One coming into play and right at the world war one era is when dadaism started coming out and that was the anarchy the social movements Mm -hmm. the the areas of where people were trying to go against the norm right moving away from the victorian era yes yeah is it the massacre in korea 
Picasso did in 1951. It may be earlier than this. No, it's earlier because this okay, was a Spanish. This was a criticism of American intervention in the Korean War that yeah. he did. No, this okay. one was earlier because this took place, I think, during his um, his age. Okay. His early ages, and it was in Spain. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. The Guernica of the That's Cold it. War. Yes. yes. The Guernica yes. of the Cold War. Yes. I knew I could find it if I had looked for it. Yeah. It's one of those that you know it, but you yeah. can't really remember it the half name. the time. Yes. Yes. yes they absolutely. all have some weird names. Oh, yeah, they do. But then Dadaism, you had that. But then Surrealism is where it ventured off into where it got more psychological. It wasn't yes. like a political <clears throat> statement anymore. It wasn't for social reform. It was yeah. all about the psychology of the pieces. Yeah. And it was more about the literature rather than the actual art. Right, which we kind of talked about was kind of people always assume it's art, but mm-hmm. there's so much in the literature and you know it takes Freudian's interpretation of subconscious in the conscious and the wish fulfillment with yeah. the dreams and, and then you all got that the, id, the ego and the super ego right and, right um you know kind of like the oedipal complexes mm-hmm. coming out and those types yeah. of things but you know and i mean art literature is an art form also writing is an art form but when we use the term art, most of us automatically think of painting or photography yes. or the visual medium yes. rather than the written medium. It, yeah, absolutely. But the term that surrealism came into play that was coined was more for the written art form. Yes, and I think wasn't that Andre Breton? That is correct. It was Andre Breton who actually coined it in his manifesto of surrealism yes and i think they consider him the founder of surrealism but mm-hmm. i think you're in your digging for the yeah the it truth was the it terminology was, of yes, it yes um you know because surrealism in itself the definition is just sir s-u-r and then realism yes so it's beyond realism exactly that's all it is yeah and so when he made his manifesto of realism or excuse me manifesto of surrealism yes <laughs> that's when in 1924 they kind of coined him as the father of the saying right exactly because that's when the dadaism uh the movement of dadaism went away and then came into the surrealist world mm-hmm. and so there was so much more for that and then you had so many movements coming on you have the radical movements uh, the 20th century, because of the early days, you had the Great Depression in America going on, mm-hmm. and then you had World War One finishing up. So you had the civil unrest going on in Europe. Uh, you had the civil unrest and the social unrest here in the United States mm-hmm. because of the stock market crash and the Great Depression and all right. that. So a lot of people were having to go outside of the norm, mm-hmm. because if you think about it, you really couldn't create the type of art that you normally would. Exactly. Yeah. So you had the the social art movements, mm-hmm. the art deco movements. Yes. But then you had where you had the poor people who really didn't have a medium and they were just trying to create something from what they had. Exactly. To express themselves exactly. because of all the things that were going on mm-hmm. in the world. And then the writing and everything, uh, it started taking on that that surrealist aspect of yes it. and then you know kind of moving out of that in mm-hmm. the 20s 30s you have that more realistic view mm-hmm. with Hemingway Fitzgerald you know going yep. on that different track from there yeah but in the, and if you think about it to me this is you know this is me going into my honest opinions here. right yes not, 
thinking about that time period and everything, a lot of people lived in their own dreams and their own minds to escape the reality yes. of what was going on. Yes. And that's what a lot of us do when we get into our artwork. It's a type of escapism. Yes. And our dreams manifest themselves sometimes to a point of really, really whacked out to where, whoop, don't know where that came from. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, kind of, we've already done our episode on Dolly. So Mm -hmm. check that out, The Persistence of Poe. That's one of our episodes from last year that we talk about Dolly more because Poe definitely was an influence. He came to... Dolly, Dolly in a dream. Yes. And so you know. very, very apropos <laughs> for what we're talking about. And with with Dolly um, and another worked with another person that was heavily influenced by Poe. And I'm, I'm trying to get through his uh, biography right now or one of his biographies. And it's fantastic. It's just a very large book. Mm-hmm. Um was Hitchcock and they worked together in 1945 on the movie Spellbound and Hitchcock had him design a dream sequence in the actual movie um, with Gregory Peck, Ingrid Mm -hmm. Bergman and it's, it's fantastic. And so we're going to play a little clip from that where it's kind of, you can kind of get that surrealistic feeling yeah, and that's the one thing about Alfred Hitchcock. He did love the verbal imagery yes. as much as he did the visual. visual. Absolutely. So it, it's it's really spellbound. Yes, it is spellbound. So here we go. And it has a lot of eyeballs. So you're going to have to check out this movie if you haven't. So here we yeah. go. A man was walking around with a large pair of scissors cutting all the drapes in half. And then a girl came in with hardly anything on and started walking around the gambling room kissing everybody. She came to my table first. Did you recognize this kissing bug? <laughs> I'm afraid she looked a little like Constance. Uh-huh. This is plain, ordinary, wishful dreaming. Go on. Well, I was sitting there playing cards with a man who had a beard. I was dealing to him. Turned up to seven of clubs. He said, that makes 21. I win. When he turned up his cards, they were blank. Just then, the proprietor came in and accused him of cheating. The proprietor yelled, this is my place, and if I catch you cheating again, I'll fix you. I'm sorry about that kissing bug. I'm glad you didn't dream of me as an egg beater, as one of my patients did. Why, what would that mean? Never mind. All right, so there was just a little snippet of that movie, and we'll also put the link in our references. But one of the other interesting things that I had not uh, known, because I've seen this movie multiple times because I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, was that it was one of the first American films to use psychoanalysis, Mm -hmm. which is so, you know... It ties in so nicely to all this that we're talking about. Yeah, and it fits so well with the time period, with the art forms that were in demand at that time. Yes. And with Hitchcock himself being a psychological thriller type of director and writer, that even the music, you know, because the first thing that popped into my head 
about Spellbound and the music is Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. You know, and Twilight Zone is one of the iconic cults about psychological warfare in our own minds. Absolutely. You know, and I love always using the I'm my own worst critic type of thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, what's in our own head is usually 10 times worse than anything that's in reality. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so, yeah, Hitchcock using Dolly... And Dolly and using Hitchcock to, you know, embed that psychological partial mm-hmm. into it is great. Exactly. I just, I would love to know if Dolly and Hitchcock had a conversation about Poe. Oh, they probably did. I yeah. mean, since they would, you know, Poe came to Dolly in a dream. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock is always professed to having a Poe, we'll call it fetish, yeah. for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, but we all we all have that we always have that thing that we get tripped up on that one person like when I was in school and when I went into uh, education Shakespeare yeah Shakespeare has always been one of those that that just hit the right spot mm-hmm. for me literarily yeah literarily huh. I wonder if that's a word if it's not I just coined it all okay right. there you go just, <laughs> but anyway, yes. so, but, and the time, and what was really interesting going along with this was Spellbound, while Dolly was actually a guest of the Warner Brothers, uh, specifically Jack Warner, in August of 1944, had invited him to a dinner party and was putting him up at the hotel because he was helping out on Spellbound and everything. Well, Dolly accidentally accidentally or by design you never know (laughs) on purpose on purpose was introduced to walt disney that's cool people was introduced to walt disney and they became fast friends very neat and they ended up working together on a film now the irony of the film it's only like six minutes and 40 seconds long and and let me preface this when Jeannie was doing research we we were together during part of this research Mm -hmm. i she said something about dolly and disney and i was like fantasia and she goes hold on hold on so let her finish but i got excited wasn't fantasia it's actually called destino D-E-S-T-I-N-O. And it just recently was released after 50 years. Wow. They just released the six minute and 40 or yeah, six minutes and four seconds or 40 seconds. I can't remember. Yeah. Of the video and that Dolly and Disney did together. Okay. And I also there's this one quote from Bossert, who is um, one of the journalists of the art galleries. He actually said that Dolly was a fan of Disney, and he at one point felt Disney was the great American surrealist. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, Fantasia, if you think about it, and all the things about what Disney created, if you think about it, it comes from our own minds, Mm -hmm. and Disney created... The whole thing of uh, Steamboat Willie. Right. And he he was turned down so many times for so many different things because everybody thought he was off his rocker. Yeah. And he was so broke. And it was in the 1920s, the same time Mm -hmm. as when Dolly was started his big thing. Oh, yeah. And so it's very interesting that I never would have put Walt Disney in that. No. That same frame. No. But then I think about it, I'm going, you know, it makes perfect sense. It does. It It totally does. You know, even though he created from the fairy tales, that the fairy tales started from the Grimm's tales, which were true to... You know, it was like true to mythology. Yeah. 
well, of and, that time and, areas. And the, the true roots of fairy tales are more poesque than yeah, what the, Disney it's created. it's all about horror. Yes. You know, what we call fairy tales weren't truly fairy tales because it was Hans Christian Andersen that created the fairy tales. Right, right. Because he's the one that gave them the happy endings. Yes. In the Grimm's tales, it was all about the horror. And mm-hmm. It was all the horrible things that was going on in that time period in those areas. Yeah. So it just... It just is amazing to think about the certain things that can tie together. I know. And uh, the surrealist and then Freud. And and can you imagine actually having a a whole panel of them sitting around a table? That that would be amazing. And you got Freud and Dolly and then Alfred Hitchcock. Uh Uh-huh. Now, that would be something I would like to have seen. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Because it would be like, okay. We've got to start time traveling and picking up people along the way. Oh, yes. Oh, and then there's one that we have to stick in there who was one of the true, you know, off his rocker, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. ideas of literature, Lewis Carroll. Yes, definitely so. I, I love using the term of falling in the rabbit hole. Oh, yes, and we did and for this we, episode, yes. yes. Because he was the one true, you know, surrealist, because some of his books I couldn't even get through. Yeah, and, and we will definitely probably talk about Lewis Carroll in next year yes. in season three. For surrealism, for definite. Absolutely. Um, and another surrealist from that same era of Breton and Dolly mm-hmm. that we're, we wanted to mention was, um, he's a Belgian painter, and his name is Rene Magritte. Yes, and he was born in 1898. He died in 1967. And he really didn't get gain his fame until he was in his 50s so it took a little while for um his work to kind of get attracted by you know lots of different people and things but in the 1920s he was influenced by freud and then he met breton and i think they had a falling out later from some of the research i did i didn't go into that rabbit hole too much but he um really started you know, creating a lot of surrealistic art. And one of the things that uh, he said, I'm going to read a quote from him. Everything we see hides another thing. We always want to see what is hidden by what we see. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is so much related to A Dream Within a Dream by Poe. Absolutely. And he's got one more quote that kind of ties into what we're talking about as well. If the dream is a translation of waking life, waking life is also a translation of the dream. And here in just a second, we're going to talk about something else that really ties into that that's more modern. Oh, yeah, because that's the one thing. And we've all had these pop into our heads most of the time is like am i awake or am i asleep yes there has been aspects of that where i will be in my dream thinking Mm -hmm. i'm awake yes or i'll be awake thinking i'm dreaming yes and that's just the psychology working on you where you've either been so stressed out you can't process anything Mm -hmm. or you're trapped in in something that it's really going over and over in your brain to where it's taking over absolutely and at the end that's kind of where deja vu comes in it's Mm -hmm. that subconscious coming in and going have i been here before have i done this before yeah and then oh and i i know we didn't talk about this but one of the things when matrix when matrix came out Mm -hmm. that in itself 
is the epitome of Poe's dream within a dream. Yes. Because they literally were living a life while they weren't really living a life. Exactly. Exactly. And There's a lot of movies that follow that same oh yeah. formula. But it was one of the ones that just has been worldwide. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And so um, Renee Magritte uh, loved Poe, loved him mm-hmm. dearly. And, uh, you know, he pretty much did a series of paintings. Uh, he started them in 1938 and did a series through 1962. Um, based on Poe's story, The Domain of Arnheim. And that was uh, one of Poe's works that he did. And it basically, um, I'm quoting this, um, tells the tale of a man named Ellison who sets out to create a landscape that reflects the supreme majesty and dignity of the poetic sentiment. And pretty much one of the things, uh, let me find my source because it's really, um, some some people think it's, in the, especially in the surrealistic mm-hmm. community, think it's made one of Poe's greatest stories because Poe himself held it in high esteem. And again, I'm quoting, mm-hmm. he wrote, the domain of Arnheim expresses much of my soul. Mm-hmm. And so when you really think about what it's about Mm -hmm. and things, it does, you know, really portray he was very much a poet, you know, from till his dying day. Yeah. And so Magritte loved Poe, loved this painting and created this series and uh, just kind of in a way dedicated it to Poe. And because he thought it was the ideal landscape. And so he created this. Um, one of the other paintings that Magritte did, it's called La Reproduction Interdite. And what's really cool in looking at this, and this is very much an homage to Poe. So it's a man with his back to you looking mm-hmm. into a mirror and he's kind of turned a little askew. The reflection in the mirror is not the front which we would think in the in the actual painting, it is actually the same thing we're seeing, which is the back of him. It's mm-hmm. like duplicated. And it basically kind of shows that we're looking inside ourselves all the time, even though we're looking at our reflection. And then on the mantle, with the correct reality reflected, mm-hmm. is a copy of Poe's only novel, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. Mm-hmm. And that shows the correct reality, kind of the realism versus surrealism yep. and showing the dual realities of life. Yeah, and I just think that's amazing. It, and it's the, it's total epitome of surrealism itself. It is the, what we see, what we think we see, and mm-hmm. what is truly there. Yes, and that that generalization or that ambiguity of what is, yeah. what are, yeah. And there's another one that popped into my head that we didn't mention in that time uh-huh. period in the 20s is a story from the 1800s mm-hmm. that uh, with the medium of the radio took over people's senses, the surrealist of the War of the Worlds. Yes, you know, using uh, people's own imaginations and what was going on in the world. Now, albeit, when I think about it, if I was in that day and age, that would have been very cruel. 
Right. Because you had the war, you know, the world wars going on, the, Mm -hmm. you know, communist threat was starting to happen and people's fears over the stock market crash and all that. And then you're playing on their fears by bringing in the possibility of an alien invasion. Mm -hmm. You truly had people convinced that it was happening to the point where people were actually dying from being scared to death. Right. Right. So that just tells you how phenomenal our minds have over our bodies yes the, the phenomena of knowing that we could literally scare ourselves to death yes oh yes and to me that's what surrealism is mm-hmm. it's like thinking what is in in here is true to what is out here you can convince yourself of anything if you tell yourself confidently yeah of exactly something. and that's you know that's why when i look at some of the artwork that really speaks to me mm-hmm. definitely it's mm-hmm. dolly going on it just seems that you know i can see how that could be real yes i might not think it's real mm-hmm. but i can see how it can be real yeah i because agree my mind can portray that um and then the kind of like what i was alluding to a minute ago with some of the modern things we're going to talk about is the movie Inception directed by Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. And there it's also a book, Shutter Island, uh, by Dennis Lehane. Um, Kind of interesting, Leonardo DiCaprio was in both Both of of them. them, And when I remember watching Inception for the first time, and I watched it at home, and like throughout the whole movie because they would say dream within a dream they just kept repeating that and i'm like oh my god please somebody say poe yes well they probably couldn't legally <laughs> no well you well know, maybe you know they would have had to pay for it true very true maybe they just don't want to pay for it that's why true. they kept saying dream within a dream but um you know for both of these uh <laughs> we you know kind of trying to go down the rabbit hole this mm-hmm. that and the other we never could find any definite information where Nolan or Lehane said that Poe was a definite influence. But I just don't see how you couldn't. And so I kind of told Jeannie that, you know, you kind of wonder, was the subconscious playing into their creativity? Mm -hmm. Did they possibly read Dream Within a Dream when, you know, when they were younger? Mm -hmm. And that stuck in their subconscious and then coming out later in Shutter Island and Inception. Yeah, or could it just been one of those things like where you got it in the back of your head and somebody may have mentioned it or yes. someone had you may have watched an Alfred Hitchcock movie right, right. or something and it just triggered that uh, reality back into play. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. Exactly. Oh, that would be really cool. Let me rewrite this or let me do, allude something to this because this is something that would really hit it. Exactly. And those would be the one things because Inception, now I will admit wholeheartedly, I have not seen either one of these. Yeah, they're both very good films. Yes. Um, I have have heard and even read some good things about them. And mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio is a good actor. Yes. I do respect his works. Um, but at the same time, it's just the the names of Inception. You know, the name itself mm-hmm. can give you an idea of what it could be about. Exactly. Shutter Island, you automatically understand. It's like, wait a minute. When I first heard of Shutter Island, I automatically went to Alcatraz. Yeah. You know, that's and Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do think of that. Yeah. I think of that, too. 
but these are these are things that trigger your own responses. It, yes, absolutely. So even if they never came out to say, "Oh, this was an homage to Edgar Allan Poe," you know, there has to be some kind of six degree past. Yes, you know that's come into play. Yeah, and uh, you know. <sighs> Definitely in the both of these movies, um, some of the one article and we'll link this in our references that came up is, you know, one of the themes is the trauma of loss. And Mm -hmm. when you think about some of the lines in a dream within a dream, you kind of get that as well. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, you know, lost at sea. And, oh, yes. you know, it's got the, the the grains of the golden sand and, you know, the surf tormented shore and things like that. And so, again, this just all seems very nicely Wrapped triangular or, with yeah. Poe. Yeah, it's, it's got a nice little, you know, treasure map of going from Poe right into X marks the spot. Yes, absolutely. You know, Poe in the modern times, he made it here. Yeah, and um, in Inception, uh, his character is very obsessed with his uh, wife who died. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we found is that it is very reminiscent of the story Lygia as well. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go into that as much, but that's just something to ponder to think about. And I I can see and and read Lygia and I could definitely see some some ties there. Yeah, because we don't want to put too many spoilers into the movies if you've not actually seen them. Exactly. Yet. Yeah, I don't. I do not want to spoil it at all. That's one of the things about I haven't seen it, so I can honestly say I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not so, going to spoil it for for people. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you can just like I said, you can just get from the title of the movies mm-hmm. or even the books. And most of the time, just a little synopsis can yes. start your brain to thinking. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. And, you know, and like with Dream Within a Dream and Poe's obsession with Vic Virginia mm-hmm. and Annabelle Lee and every time, you know, he's always thinking about loss and talking yes. about loss. And yes. That in itself is another thing. Grief. Mm-hmm. Grief is a major player inside your own mind. Oh, yes. It can do lots of Mm -hmm. odd things to your brain when you think about the loss of people. Yes, and it takes so much to recover Mm -hmm. from that loss, from that grief. And grief can change a person. It can change a person's personality. Absolutely. It can can drive a person to the point where there's no coming back. Madness. Exactly. So that in itself is where you have the psychology of the dream within the dream. So, yeah, I agree. Um, we kind of have kind of, I think, wrapped up our yes. surrealistic journey for this episode. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to invite you on December 27th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Right to zoom with us and you can go to uh, our website and go to the tab Poe Unplugged Mm -hmm. and register. We're having Holly Michelle, one of the Poe authors. She has reimagined an Edgar Allan Poe children's series Mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking about the bells and her reimagined story of the bells. 
Exactly. She's going to be a special guest that's going to be answering questions, giving us a little uh, insight into her idea of reimagining mm-hmm. these things. As, yes. As to where a kid can understand them, which is, you yes. know, Poe being understood by children is is kind of a difficult thing. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get all the nuances of the whole Poe, but you or can still get things that especially are... Especially the, the horror. <laughs> exactly. You really don't want to introduce that to the children. Right. But, you know... Right. It is, and the um, bells is definitely not horrific. So no, and it's actually a really good thing. We did that on our uh, New Year's special this last past year. We year, read it. Yes, this new, this year's New Year's. Yes. Special. Okay. <laughs> I'm All right, getting stuck be, in time. Are you trying to be surreal, Jamie? I'm that's to how be you. Surreal. That's how you get surreal. Exactly. I got surreal. Yes. But yes, please come join us. Don't forget to check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube. We have our poem plug yes. specials that you can venture into along with other things of where mm-hmm. Carmen has uh, been traveling around and yes. doing little tidbits about where Poe has gone. And now that I am on winter break, I'm hoping to upload more videos of mm-hmm. some of the travels and finding Poe things in Poe places. Exactly. And sixdegreesofpoe.com, our website, you mm-hmm. can also find a Poe shop. Yes. Where things that we've created with Poe-esque. Yes. And even Poe stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. come check us out. They can make some cool Christmas gifts. Yes. Uh, we got bookmarks. We got earrings. We got T-shirts. You, we got some cool. A little things. bit of everything, and yep. we we've ordered. Uh, we finally received our little pins for your lapel we're mm-hmm. going to be adding those and uh i'm going to be making some cat hats here soon as well and you might be able to see pictures of me and Jeannie in them once we yes. once i get that finished yeah you probably see a true cat sitting on her head too but yes you know, we might those even, aren't for sale and we might even put one on the cats exactly oh yeah no not mine po- you, you can try yours but it po ain't happening might with mine. wear one but i'll have to make a little one for him oh yeah uh-huh. So it'd be a it'd be a black cat on a black cat. Yeah, and I could make a video of that and put it on YouTube just for comedy sake. Absolutely, because that'll be <laughs> hilarious. But anyway, so on that note, with uh, our Poe, you know, Poe surrealist type, we would like to say Poe po out. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few, yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream?